Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, look, I'm all, I'm all right. Um, it's good to, good to be talking about uh, championship football again. So. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's been, oh, it must be close to a month since we last played a game, so it was good to see City back in competitive action over the weekend and, and picking up a pretty valuable point away at Watford. Um I think Brad and I were saying last week on the podcast, yeah, about probably a draw was best we could hope for. And to get a clean sheet out of it as well uh, was pretty good to see. Yeah, I think um, you could see, I think we could see that, you know, uh, Rosini has done a lot of work with the boys over the over the World Cup break. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, obviously like perfect return would have been three points. But, you know, as you say, like a good side in Watford, um, a nil all draw is actually, you know, a pretty valuable point, and and I thought it was a pretty well earned point as well. Um, I think there was a little bit of competitive rust probably from both teams, and then a few things, you know, a couple of the the weird eight minute injury um, or like subs for both teams that that made things a little interesting. But um, I think yeah, on the balance, it, it was a pretty strong performance. I think without you know. I think lacking still a little bit up top, but um, general play and general build-up w- was pretty good. And I think we looked more more comfortable playing the ball around the back for the most part. Um, for the most part, yeah. For, for the most part. More, more than we had done before the break, in the, in the few games before the break, I think. Yeah, I, I think the conditions, as you say, it was it was pretty interesting. I think Rosinia in his post-match called out the fact that we'd been doing a, essentially a warm weather camp in uh, Turkey and then going from that into the conditions at Watford, always ripe for injuries. And, you know, unfortunately, um, Pelkis has come out with an injury, although that's more a collision injury, I would have thought, mm. than muscular. Um, it does seem like he's out for three months now, which is a shame. It just, oh God, we just don't get any luck with injuries. It just seems as if, um, as soon as it's starting to look like we're getting back to a fully fit squad, something else goes wrong. Um, I mean, Ali and Tete due back sort of mid-January. Um, obviously, Oscar back from his ban in the, our next game against Sunderland. Um, but really unfortunate for Pelkis. I think he was really starting to look like one of those really good creative players up forward for us, giving us a really great option in attack. Yeah, I think um, he had been looking really good before the break. And I think... I think we, we really felt his absence, um, you know, as he subbed off um, very early in that game. Mm-hmm. We, we really felt his absence and his creativity and his spark in that final third because we didn't really create a great deal um, of chances. A few, but I, yeah, just we, we lacked a little bit of, um, I don't know, yeah, that, that creativity, that nous in the final third, which which he seems to be seemed to have been bringing, and it is a shame. I think three months means, you know, if he stays and he comes back, potentially, you know, he's going to be very valuable. If he can, if he can come back in and get straight to where he was at, he could be very valuable in the last, you know, dozen games of the season or so. But um, no, he's missing a vital chunk of the season, really, as it stands. Which is and as you say, I mean, fortunate. He's only on loan from Fenerbahce as well, so there's also that question now that it's um, Mm -hmm. unfortunate timing coming into the window that whether we um, keep him. I, I hope we do. I think we've um, seen enough from him that he's got a place in the squad if he can, um, as you say, get back up up to where he was. Um, I guess in terms of positives as well, though, Tyler Smith 
a bit of a surprise start. I mean, I know he'd played a bit in those two uh, friendly games in, in the World Cup break. Um, looked pretty impressive. Seemed to earn his, his start, really, um, up forward. Um, looking really creative. And and Christie, probably another one who, um, talking about chances created, I mean, he was sort of at the heart of pretty much anything we did create. Yeah, I think um, I was, you know, we saw the lineup and we saw Smith up front. And we just sort of, and I know I certainly sort of wrote it off. I just thought, oh, here we go. A game where we don't, he's not going to do anything. You know, he's just going to bundle around and, and stuff up his first touch and give the ball away and not. But, you know, there was a couple of nice, nice runs. I think one where he turns off the shoulder and rolls rolls in behind is the defender to, to get a strike away um, from, from pretty close range. Um, some nice work, you know, I think he held the ball up in the corner. Um, under quite a lot of pressure for a, for a, for a, a hot second to, to to you know let some of the reinforcements arrive up front. So there was actually um, I think some promise in his performance. So um, not sure what it was. Maybe just it got the right sort of instructions from Azenia or the right sort of work over the break because um, he looked almost nothing like the Tyler Smith we've seen. For in the rest of his city career, so um, it was quite nice without being spectacular. Um, you know, if you played like that every week, you, I, I'd be happy to keep him in the squad. To be honest, he was, um, yeah. you know, there was enough there that that, that you continue um, that you persevere with him as a player. But um, and yeah, Christie, I think pretty much since he's come in, like you know, the, the first half of the season. You know, we went, well, Louis Coyle's the right back. We don't really have any alternatives. And, you know, then we, we've got Chris, we've got, we brought Christy in. He's, you know, he's put, he's getting on a bit. Is he going to be able to, like, you know, to, to play, I guess, week in, week out at a high level? Is he going to have the legs that Louis Coyle does? He's, I, I mean, I knew he'd have quality, but I think the, his ability to, like, the extent to which he's showing that. And, you know, the legs that he is showing and, and his, um, I think he's balanced that really well with, I guess, like maybe a, a better understanding of the game. So he's able to pick his moments of going forward and, and staying staying high or dropping back to, to help a little bit better than um, perhaps Coyle does at times. Um, but no, very, you know, very, obviously very dangerous on the ball, Christy. Um, and again, yeah, was, was involved in lots of the stuff we did going forward another few mazy runs, you know, from right back through the midfield to, to, to link up with, with our, with other, other mids and, and the forwards. So um, another productive game from him, but I honestly think that the, the best player, the best performer on the pitch and the pit, the, the player who saved us a point at least um, was Matt Ingram brought back yeah. in after Baxter's little uh, trip back to Chelsea with his injury in the break. But um, I thought, you know, I, I mean, to be fair, I don't think he's actually played a bad game all season. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah like that's right. He, he wasn't playing poorly when um, when they went when they changed to Baxter. So um, obviously, he's still been he's just been there in the background, working hard and waiting for that chance. And I think, you know, I think as with both of them, I think every time they've been given a chance, they've sort of grabbed it with both hands. So. Um, good on him it was good for us i think there was a couple of saves that were just sensational that one through tra- there's a one through traffic right and bottom left hand corner that he 
got a, a good yeah, that, strong hand to was really, really impressive. There was another one where I think it was almost like a double save. I think he sort of like palmed it forward and then caught it or mm. sort of knocked it away again or something. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to go on to go on to Ingram as well because it, it gives us a, a really good problem to have now, which is mm. we've got these two great keepers. But the issue I find is we've got Ingram, who's the great shot stopper, and Baxter, who's probably a bit better with the ball at his feet. And mm. you almost want to just combine the two of them to make the complete keeper. Um, but yeah, no, in, in, Ingram had a fantastic game again. Yeah, and I guess, um, yeah, just really good. I think, yeah, good for him. I guess the only other big one, I guess, was McLaughlin finally getting a start um, and putting in, you know, a, a solid performance. Yeah, I mean, we, we've sort of waited all season for him to get his chance in the starting lineup. You have to think as as, as McLaughlin, um, he must have thought, what did he have to do to get into the side when you've got guys like Figueredo not putting in the best of displays? Uh, and yeah, he looked great. So hopefully we've sort of found that spot for him now with Greaves playing uh, at left back, which, I mean, it feels a bit odd because it then mm. raises questions about Fleming and Elder. But Greaves at left back then opens that slot on the left of the defence for McLaughlin. And um, I would certainly hope that he'll hold his spot for the Sunderland game. Yeah, I mean, you'd be... You'd, if, if he didn't... He'd have to, the writing, sure. I mean, I don't yeah. know, I wouldn't understand why, but you'd, you'd say the writing was on the wall if he came yeah. in, played well, and then they dropped him for the next game, um, you know, a nil all against a, where's Watford, top six? Top four, I think, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. right. nil all against a top team is, is a good result for us languishing down the bottom just outside the relegation zone. Um, so, you know, I think yeah, it'd be hard be hard, hard luck on on poor old McLaughlin if something unfortunate like that happened. Um, but I think I guess like I, th- I mean we've touched on it before, but the it's it's interesting, you know, the Greaves going to left back and all that sort of. I guess like the the positive is there's a little bit of versatility where you know we go well we've got it, potentially you got Greaves, Figueredo, Jones, McLaughlin who can all play centre back, but when playing four at the back now. So we only really need two of them. But Jones can also play like centre-back or centre-defensive midfield. So if there was an injury in midfield and Jones had to step in like at the end of the game, then you can bring someone in to either Figueredo on into centre-half or bring Greaves back inside and then bring on Elder. This is interesting. We sort of have actually quite a fair bit of cover across that back line now where at the beginning there was a point in time where it didn't really feel like yeah. Like we did, like at the beginning of the season, we were going, do we actually have enough? Like, I feel like we still need another center heart, center back or something. And like, we needed another left back or whatever, but we sort of now, sort of, you know, like Fleming's back from injury and some of those sort of things we sort of have now, we've got two right backs, I guess, three left backs with Greaves playing there. Plus, like five centre backs, right. I guess, because you could, or four centre backs, I guess, because you could say you got Jones, Figueredo, Greaves, McLaughlin, yeah. you can all play there. Yeah. Mm. So it's it's kind of very interesting um, in that area pretty quickly. But obviously, yeah, and I guess, well, I guess, yeah, the Pelkis injury is not going to change that too much because I guess that'll mean that Tufan now gets his, gets yeah. a chance to, to see what he can. He, you know, and he, he, can... he almost, if he if he got his shot on target in this game, that would have been the perfect way to shut the Watford fans up. Um, yeah, you know, it's it sort of the script was written for him to bury that in the top corner, and unfortunately, wasn't to be the case. Yeah, look, that was that was a head in hands moment for I think everyone involved. 
Um, I'm not, I don't know whether there was a bobble or he just took his eyes off the ball or what, but it was pretty horrible attempt. Um, yeah. Without anyone around him, I would have expected at least a save. Um, he only had to get it on target. But um, look, he gets, he'll pretty much guarantee he's going to get a chance then this weekend. Um, and look, I think if they get the right balance around him and they and they feed him the ball in the right spots and he gets to sit, I think if he sits a bit higher, sits in behind Estepinion or something and doesn't have to do as much tracking back potentially, um, I think that'll suit him a little bit more. I think what he sort of... Was, was it the Burnley game, I think, where they were playing that sort of similar one-two roll off each other where it was Tufan who scored the goal? Yeah. Was it Oscar? Yeah, it was Tufan that scored the goal, I think, against Burnley. I think that the, was, was that the one where he, he ran in, in behind? They played it over the top yeah, and ran away. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. I think that was Oscar and 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 two fan. But um, anyway, did you want to give your three two one for this game, and then I'll give mine? Uh, sure. I mean, which is interesting because one of my players we haven't even talked about in in our discussion <laughs> so far. But um, so my three points I'm giving to Ingram because I just thought he saved his points um, with without much potentially going on up front um there was a few vital saves um which yeah really changed or like kept us alive in the game at important points so three points to ingram um i'm going to go two points to smith for a much improved performance um actually looks like he could almost be a, a semi-decent striker um with a little bit better service. And I, I almost feel like, you know, again, had Pelkis has been able to stay on the whole game, he's the sort of player who would have been able to unlock Smith into a cup with a couple of nice little balls in behind the defense and everything, but not to be. Um, and I'm actually going to give one point to Sari, who I thought actually right. was, was a really solid, had a really strong performance battled away in the midfield. Um, and a couple of moments, you know, we, he does sometimes hold onto the ball a little too long in, at moments, but I thought what was really nice was whenever he lost it, he actually he was battling so hard and so quickly to win that back. And quite a few times he he might have lost it, but he recovered it quite quickly as well. Um, so I thought he had a really really um, important um, role to play in the game as well. Yeah, I, I've I've gone with Ingram for my three votes as well. Um, I think he was pretty much head and shoulders. Um, above the rest of the players on the pitch, but that's not to say that there weren't good contributions from the other players. Um, I gave Christy my two votes. Um, you know, as a confession, a, a two a, two a.m. on a Monday game is pretty difficult to stay up for. So I, I did just see the highlights. Um, so that's very much colouring my my voting for this game. Um, but I thought Christy was at the heart of most of the positive attacks that we uh, uh, basically initiated against Watford. So he uh, he was definitely. A candidate for the two votes for me um, and then one vote for Smith as you say I think he looks really good really sharp had a couple of chances um, and if that's sort of the form that he's able to display in this system then it um, alleviates a bit of the pressure on Oscar when suddenly we've got Smith we've got Longman um, Tete when he's fit as well all suddenly options that can play up top um, as well as Oscar so that he doesn't have to battle alone I mean I'd be really interested almost to see well, we, I think we sort of said it last season about Smith and Eves, um, but you could almost say it'd be interesting to see Smith and um, Oscar this season mm. because Oscar, with his hold-up play, um, could actually be a really good option to to have sort of Smith playing off him and and cre- kind of creating that space for him. 
Um, so we'll see what uh, Resenia has in store. Um, okay, just a bit of off-field news then um, uh, with the club celebrating 20 years at the MKM, this stadium, I, this this weekend. Um, I did sort of wonder in the chat, I, I assume it must be deliberate that we're playing, so we must have organised to play Sunderland this weekend. Um, I don't know if clubs have that power. I've, I've never really noticed it before of sort of organising fixtures for certain dates. Maybe that's me being accustomed to it in Aussie rules and stuff where you can get that. But it's otherwise it's an awfully big coincidence that or, or unless we've deliberately chosen the weekend that we're playing Sunderland. But I think this is actually 20 years mm. um, since we played our first game at the MK at the MKM. Unless I'm unless I'm wrong. I can't remember if that was the start of a season, but I could be misremembering. Mm. But anyway, we, we played Sunderland in a friendly as our first game at the stadium. And so it's fitting that we're playing them uh, this weekend. Um, I guess I was just trying to think, you know, sort of particular memories. It's it's hard to call out memories of of fa- favorite memories of the ground. It's more so, I guess, famous fixtures at the ground. Um, but there's been a lot of them over the years. Obviously, I mean, we've got the playoff for, uh, first leg against Watford. I think it was, or maybe it's the second leg in 2008. We had the second leg against Derby, which we lost. So it actually, wasn't a great result back in 20. 20- 15 or 2016 um we've got the fa cup quarterfinal win against sunderland again so um again appropriate team but there's been been a lot of games over the years is there anything in particular for you that stands out or key memories of the ground um i don't know it's a hard one i was thinking about it yeah i i think if i this is something i probably would need i needed probably to have looked at this bit earlier and had some time to 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 think and go back through the old the memory bank a little bit to think nothing really like i don't know nothing really stands out but i think it's one of those things like because i've never been to the ground as Mm. well it's hard to to solidify some of these memories about specific games when i'm just watching them from the other side of the world where you can sometimes forget if it was at home or away yeah yeah like because there's stuff like there's games like obviously we've talked i followed the central coast mariners in the a-league and i used to live there so i went to heaps and heaps of games and i can remember like specific games and score lines and which players and like what i did when i i remember like we played we played sydney and we smashed sydney fc and i left the ground i rang my friend because he was a sydney supporter and like gave him a hard time and like all sorts of like wonky like i can remember all these like very specific things about that because but because i was there and a part of it all it's i think it's just difficult from from the other side of the world to have that connect that really close connection with with the ground um as a place if that makes sense yeah and i was actually just thinking about it and all my memories do go back to my trip when i was over there and um i guess sort of you know the first time you see the ground or the first time you step foot in it very distinctive sort of memories um first game there was the 3-1 win against Liverpool and you know I had people around me just sort of saying oh can you just can you just move here and just be if this is the sort of luck you're going to bring every game um because then of course I think it was my third game there was the 6-0 win against Fulham um so both pretty memorable fixtures at the ground but um look it, it it's a really sort of symbolic it's got a really symbolic place in our history, I think, because it really marks that turning point in League Two where we went from um, our sort of struggling seasons in the bottom division to really making that march up the table to the Premier League, which was achieved in, I think it was five seasons from League Two to, to the Premier League, mm-hmm. um, or six seasons, maybe, I think it was five seasons. So sort of like the quickest rise up the leagues. 
Um, but to have a 25,000 seat stadium as a league two club was pretty remarkable. I mean, it still is pretty remarkable, but especially back then it was reasonably unheard of. Um, and to have such a modern stadium, I remember, I think it was when I was talking to sort of name dropping here, but when I was talking to Richard Garcia way back in our first season of the podcast about what attracted him to Hull. And I think it was probably the same for um, Irvine as well. Um, so that's, I can't remember which of them said it, but even just the concept of going from a smaller club, like I think Garcia was at Colchester, but um, um, Irvine was at Burden, both sort of moving to these bigger clubs, bigger club in Hull um, with that larger stadium. And it's sort of, it's sort of something you don't really consider, but having that like larger capacity stadium, having more supporters in watching the team is a huge draw card for players um, and, and really sort of symbolized our ambition. Yeah, I think um, certainly something that I guess, yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have uh, like, it's not something I would have considered as a, as a, a reason for players to to like I guess consider those those transfer moves, but um, yeah, it's certainly it's interesting. Certainly, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, well, actually, just before we move on, I'll use that as a good point talking about players that I've interviewed. Um, we do have our friends over at Tahalan back interviewing uh, David Myler. I think uh, if I've got my time zones right, it will be. Thursday morning, our time, which is the Wednesday evening over in the UK. So if there's any Aussies watching along with this and want to join in live, I think it's, you know, it's sort of 2am or 3am our time live, but of course you can catch a replay anytime after that. Um, looking forward to that one immensely. That will be really interesting to hear them talking to uh, David Myler and, and see what he has to say about the club. Um, cool. Okay. Well, let's move on then and do our little who am I game before we preview the Sunderland game. Um, are you ready? As I'll ever be. Yeah. Now, this one, as a warning, this one is a little bit of a trickier one, but uh, we'll see how you go with this one. All right. Sunderland, honeyman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, not going to try and do those links too much. Um, I made 47 appearances for City and I scored six goals. Six in 47. So that's like, it's like one season, like a full season or. No, I need, I need like a, a, a time context, I think, to be able to like narrow it down. So we're going to have to give me another clue. No worries. I joined City in 2017. So that was our first season back in the championship under Slutsky. And I left in 2020. Um, and then as an added benefit, I'll let you know. So he had a loan to Vitesse towards the end of his time at the club. Which, funnily enough, I th I'm pretty sure Slutsky was there when he went to Vitesse, so he, he clearly liked linking up with him. So... Down in... 17... Uh, we said left 2020 with a loan somewhere yeah. in there as well. Yeah. So I think he left in 2020. That must have been at the end of the season. So we got relegated with McCann. And I'm pretty sure he was on loan 
Like we, we, he didn't play under McCann. Yeah. I don't think. Might have played right at the start of the season. Um, Forty-seven scored six, so I didn't actually play super regularly then. Which would be really interesting when I give you the next clue as to like his shirt number would indicate he'd play a lot more than he ended up playing. Um. I, I said this. This is a tough one. I I think this is probably the toughest one we've done so far. I'm just trying, just trying to remember like who. <laughs> it's like when you go when you, when we go down. I'm like, okay, who do we get rid of? Who do we sign? And I'm like, the test. The only name that comes to mind. I'm like, that's definitely not that person. Yeah. I'm like, but who's <sighs> the name? The only thing I can think of is freaking um, Max Clark or whatever, who yeah, went to like yeah. the same. I don't think it was Vitesse, but that's. Yeah, I knew. I, I was like, that's, I reckon that's who you're thinking of. And look, it's not a bad guess because I'm pretty sure he debuted in the team in 2017 and probably would have left in 2020. So he's, he does fit the bill. <laughs> I just but, don't think he scored any goals. No, that's. <laughs> I was like, it's not him because like six goals is not. I was like, yeah. 46 and 47 feels like it's either like a shit striker we had, like a Tyler Smith of the, of the time, even though we just said how, like, he had a really good performance on the weekend yeah. the other night, but, oh. Do you want the next clue? Because that will that will uh, narrow it down. I just, yeah, I guess. I'm just having a I've and, and, full and mind actually, I... about, like, everything. I'll give you I'll give you his position and number, and then if he's not still not getting it, I'll give you the club we signed him from to see if that might trigger it. Um, I was a striker, and I wore the number nine. See, when you said something about the number before, I was like, I bet he wears the number nine, and it's supposed yeah. going to be supposed to be really. <laughs> it's, like, it's like who was number nine back then? Do you want the club he was signed from? That might. I don't know. Actually, even know if that will give it away. Why not? I'm just trying to work backwards through the nines that we had. You're doing better than me. I can't even name who. What number nine now is Ali? Number nine now? I think so. And then, yeah. then you go back to. Um, I assume Eves wore the nine. Yeah, I think Eves was nine. You're right. Last. So he must have got it from from this yeah. guy. I almost said his name there. So. <laughs> Do you want to take two? <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like this is embarrassing, but it's not. No, no, no it's not embarrassing. It's no, no. It's, this is definitely a tough one. Um, uh, I'll tell you that we signed him from Wolves, and was one of a string of players that we signed after they scored against us. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, now I can picture him. <laughs> um, oh, this is so. This is the same. This is like we signed like him, and then we signed Irvine, and then yeah. we signed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh. Now that you say the test, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that now. 
Yeah. Like, or he said like that, that he scored against us. And I'm like, oh, yep, now I know who, exactly who you're talking about. Uh, My alter ego was an Australian Idol judge. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> Sorry, I just confused you more. Yeah, look, that's a reference that I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> understood. Fair enough. Um, oh. Initials are N-D. Oh, yeah. Newer Dicko. Yeah, there you go. Did you, did you, did you ever watch Australian Idol back in the yeah, day? Now I, now I, yeah, now I get it. <laughs> no, I, de- I definitely, that was definitely the toughest one I've done. I was like, let's just throw someone obscure from a recent season in. Uh, yeah, no, that was a tough one. Um, you did well. Don't, don't beat yourself up. I'm sure plenty of people would. I was actually, it was funny because I'm pretty sure Clark did go to Vitesse as well. So I'm like, he's almost literally the same like trajectory mm. at City other than the Coles probably. Um, anyway, moving on. Sunderland this weekend. Um, so we actually don't play again until the following Tuesday, I think, because of the Christmas weekend um, against Blackpool. So we'll, we'll just preview the Sunderland game this week. We'll do a couple of games next week just to take us through to the new year, um, just so we can all take a break over Christmas. Um, but yeah, just Sunderland this week. So managed by Tony Mowbray, who took over from um, Alex Neal when he left to go to Stoke earlier in the season. Um, they've won two in their last five because they lost to West Brom yesterday morning, um, but they did have a good win over Millwall 3-0. Um, basically, it was like the first game back from the World Cup um, because for some reason that was the only game that weekend for whatever reason. Um, we haven't beaten them in the league since 2014 in the Premier League, but we did beat them in the League Cup back in the League One season we shared with them, um, but then drew both games in the league. Um, and they're a pretty dangerous side. Like, they're doing reasonably well for a promoted team. Like, they've got Diallo in from United, who's uh, going great guns for them. They've got Sims up top on loan from Everton, who's looking really sharp and dangerous for them. Um, so it's... It's not the game that on paper, you know, you'd look at your Wigan or your Rotherham and you'd say those are games that we really should be going out and winning. This is a this is a pretty, like, I, I wouldn't look at this game as a game against a promoted side. I'd look at this game as a game against, like, a, a Preston or a, or a someone like that um, as quite a dangerous game. But h- how do you see this one? At home, in front of a big crowd, you know, hoping for three points, I guess. At home, we'll probably, yeah. we'll probably lose. True, true. Yeah. <laughs> um... We just can't seem to put it together at, at home. Um, <clears throat> uh, look, I think, I, I don't know. It's so hard because it feels like, you know, we had the, the few games under Rosinia before the, the break. Now we've had the break. It kind of almost, it, it, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's weird. We're, it, it's almost like we're like almost starting a new season with a new yeah. manager. And sort of no idea about what really to expect, but um we're sort of not actually in that position. Um, but yeah, Sunderland's, they're going really, really well. So I think in, like it's obviously going to be a tough game. Um, Helkus obviously being out is going to be a big blow for us. And I think <sighs> while Tufan, if he's the one that comes in, um, he doesn't offer us this like while he does offer some create like creativity and some like he doesn't feel as mobile it's yeah there's some something that that i mean they're just different 
Yeah. I guess that they're different players. They don't both offer creativity, but I think in different ways. Yeah. Um, whereas Pelkis will, will, will move around a lot and get into the channels, into the pockets of space and try and link up a lot more. Tufan is more likely to be just the one trying to, I guess, like ping balls to release players, but he'll stay more central. Yeah, he, so, he's a bit, yeah, he's less mobile. He's more explosive in the sense that he'll, um, he'll sort of pick the ball up and then suddenly move forward and take a shot mm. from long range, whereas Pelkis yeah. will try and weave his way through players. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think we're obviously like potentially everything that we just spent a month working on in terms of like how we're going to build up our tax and stuff, potentially like if we, with Pelkis as one of those key figures, sort of a lot of those plans potentially now get thrown out the window and we have to go to plan B. Um, but obviously Oscar comes back as well. Um, so that changes changes things as well. Because I think they actually, you know, we, we, I think we mentioned it before, that mm. like Tufan and Oscar had linked up in that early run, in this, the run early in the season we had um, linked up quite well. So um, potentially, you know, mm. if they can re- rekindle that um, fruitful partnership that they, they had going early on, then, um, you know, potentially could, could be good. But I think... Like I feel like this is similar to to the to the game that we just um, the Watford game. Like if we can get a draw or something, that would be a pretty good result. Um, a win would obviously be exceptional, but I think also like where we uh, if we don't pick up at least a point, it's almost unacceptable. Um, yeah. Despite how tough this game's going to be. Um, yeah. I think we're we're sort of a little bit adrift of where we want to be, where our ambition has um, you know yeah we're sort of misaligned unaligned with our ambition at the moment and i think we do need to start you know picking up some points um and and improving our league position because i think we sort of i think everyone had targeted this you know we said oh we'll get to the world cup break um and try to mitigate damage and after that is where we start trying to consolidate build um and move on up the table so i think um it's a matter of realistically just not getting further away from some of those teams that are around us. So points are almost just, I mean, points are always an, like a necessity and they're always an aim, but I think we just cannot afford at all to, to drop or to not pick up any points. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at our next three after the, um, after the Sunderland game and it's Blackpool, um, Birmingham and Wigan. And you sort of think those are three very, very winnable games. Mm-hmm. And so you think going into those games off four points from Watford and Sunderland is such a massive difference from mm-hmm. one point off the two. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting. I saw someone pointing out, I think it's five games under a senior now. And you look at the draw with Millwall, the win against Cardiff, the, was it five? Because then it's the draw against Watford, obviously the loss to Reading. But, but but point being that there's only one bad performance in that lot. Mm. You know, you sort of look at the win the win against Cardiff, the the draws against Millwall and Watford as being really positive, um, and it's really just that loss against Reading that's a bit disappointing. Um, so he has actually put a lot of work in already to turn the squad around to get that um, that improvement in performances. I think there was the Middlesbrough game as well, maybe that I'm thinking of. But anyway, um, so there are the signs there that we're improving. I, I, as you say, it'll be interesting to see what we do now with Pelkis out and how much he was sort of integral to the plans. 
Um, but it was interesting to see there was an article just before the game where Rosenia was talking up um, Tufan, um, just saying like how how good he, how how well he was responding on the training pitch, his fitness work, um, how he was taking on board what Rosenia was saying. So hopefully that means that he's in, he's sort of ripe to come yeah. in and, and start this game and, and really perform. Um, but yeah, I think this is such a vital game in that sense, as you say, because we're clearly not where we want to be on the table. Mm. Um, I think we're now in the relegation zone. I sort of had a few different conflicting reports on different apps I was looking at. Um, I think, no, sorry. So we're one point above uh, Wigan who are in the relegation zone. So, you know, we're still, I think, as Rosenia said, it's a points accumulation game at this point of the season. And um, a win against Sunderland would be massive ahead of those three games. Mm. And just thinking... The opportunities are there to suddenly start to surge up the table hmm. um, that we've really just got to start to take. And you know, I sort of started by saying that these guys are not a promoted team; they're a mid-table team. But we should still be viewing a mid-table team as sort of there for the taking at home. Yeah, well, I think realistically, like that's where we would want want to be is is in that in, as a mid-table, not a lower, not a low lower table, not a fighting for relegation. Um, I think the quality we have in the squad, even with the injuries that we've sustained, um, with the quality that remains and the quality that is to, to return not too far away in another f- half dozen games, maybe, um, you know, means that I think there's there's that we should be looking um, not really over our shoulder at the teams below us, but looking up and looking at how, um, you know, h- how, how high can can we go? Um, and just yeah, looking at looking at it that way, and I think it's interesting that you say that about like Rosina. I think like potentially that being a you know a, a younger manager who sort of potentially you know went through his career with I guess like that the social the the rise of social media and the media scrutiny and all those sorts of things that potentially he like actually has a better understanding of how to play that game to as part of that like player management and as part of like fan management and all that sort of stuff as well whereas like it has felt like with some of our the previous managers like that you know Schotter and McCann both just didn't really you know it was either they didn't say anything or they just said completely the wrong thing to the which is riddles you're just like what are you talking about like it never really like and it's just nice to say like to just have someone come out and say, yeah, he's not playing, but like he's doing everything he needs to do. He's working hard. You know, he's listening to what I'm saying. And like, that's. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's, you know, you know, not that the, the players would, you know, get all their media training or anything as well. They know not to read too much into it, but like, if you see, you know, there's a, you see a report and your managers come out and said like, he's doing all the right stuff. And then like, you know, you're getting some game time. Like that's surely like, it's got to keep you, keep you happy. Not yeah. like, because I think it was someone who was just like, who did we say? It was probably Milinkovic or like something, but like who didn't really perform, but we were like, he's just not doing what he's what he needs to do or something, him and just or, like rubbished him in the yeah yeah, and sort of got rubbished in the in the media like by the man the manager, and then sort of never came good. And you're like, well, well I wonder why. Like, yeah, why would why would they want to try and turn it around if you're just gonna say like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and also. Was it Wilkes? I'm trying to remember who it was. There was someone that McCann blasted in the media about his attitude or something. It might have been Wilkes. I can't remember. Um, but so, are we thinking? Are we thinking then just a straight swap to fan in for Pelkus and just leave everyone else the same? 
Um, obviously, sorry, Oscar to come in as well, I guess. So Oscar in for Smith I, as well. I, I would think that Oscar and Tufan would come in. Because um, how did then... Because Doherty came on, but yeah. then back off. He yeah. had the he had the, um, the cork. He had the, the corky, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we go: Greaves, Macca, Jones, Christie, Ingram, and Goals, Sari Woods, uh, Slater, the other one, <laughs> Brains. They're gone. Slater uh, Longman, or would you go Oz. Longman out for Oscar? Because I guess what at the moment we're doing, um, Woods, Sari, Tufan would be the midfield, and then you'd have Slater, Longman, Oscar as the yeah, front three. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Or you take Slater, drop Slater further back. You don't bring Tufan in, and you bring Sinek in as a winger. Would be the other. It would be the only mm. other natural option, I would think. Yeah, um, I think. I think Tufan will come in. Um, so, yeah, I guess that would be like Longman, Slater, Oscar up top with Seri Woods, Tufan in the middle, I suppose. Something like that yeah. would be my suggestion. Um, look, I don't know. I think... Or you play, say... like a, you play like a 4-4-2 diamond and have um, Smith and Oscar up top which would be completely different to anything we've seen. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I don't know if it would happen. Um, <laughs> look, I don't know exactly how this is going to turn out. Um, I'm hopeful. I think if we, I mean, I think we played enough decent football that we can challenge, you know, most teams. I mean, we challenged a top team um, in the last game. So I think, um, I kind of feel like it's going to be like, like a one-all or something like that, but it's, you know, a couple of changes uh, forced unfortunately means that you know potentially any like that i mean it's only one game so any sense of rhythm is sort of falsified anyway um yeah yeah uh, I'll, 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 like I'll go that. the i'll go the 2-1 i'll back oscar to to get on the score sheet in his return um in front of the home crowd as well you know sort of anniversary game um i'll i'll back us for the win in this one um i mean yeah, look- i forgot it's re- um Looks like it's going to be a big crowd. I think they said they'd sold seventy and a half thousand tickets or something. Yeah, I don't know what the last, last time I that saw. Was. So it's probably hope. I mean, which is good. I mean, it's good to see like those home games are still like even though we're not necessarily performing the best, that's still they're still building and they're still like consistently um, pretty solid. Because I think what's that's up like up like six or seven thousand or something on last season. We we're only getting like twelve, like eleven, twelve thousand or something last season, weren't we? Yeah, and um, I've just seen so Ajun's put on free travel for the Birmingham and Birmingham and Wigan away games as well. We've got cheap ticket prices for the Fulham game, so lots of uh, lots of measures being done to to just boost the crowds, which is uh, really awesome to see. Yeah, I think it's. I think we, I mean we talked about it again heaps, but it's really nice just to have like an owner who just is really like is investing in smart ways as well. Like it's not like he's throwing bucket loads of money around. Like it doesn't, it probably doesn't cost that much to to pay for a few coaches, like in the grand scheme of things, when you've got millions and millions and millions of dollars to pay for, you know, half a dozen coaches to, or however many it is or whatever, to like, you know, ferry a few hundred supporters, thousand supporters or whatever from from Hull to Birmingham, however far that is. 
whatever but on a like, coach that'd be yeah you know eight or nine hours so it would it would help a lot especially over the christmas period when mm. people are probably mm. pretty stretched in their budgets to just make to just take one of the costs yeah. away from them having to worry about is uh awesome to see but as opposed to like the end of the previous uh, like where it's just you know come come to the games don't come to the games whatever like it was very blah, blah. it's nice the, the the effort the enthusiasm the positivity is is great. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'll ever get over it. It's just, yeah. it's just nice. It's exciting. And actually I was just looking up that news. Um, it reminded me just a word briefly as before we sign off, uh, Andy Cannon joining, uh, Wrexham on a permanent oh, yeah. move. Um, don't know if you've watched the, yeah, we'll watch him on Disney plus soon. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll be in, uh, he'll be in season two, I'm sure. Um, but, but, you know, quite seriously for them, that's a massive, that's a massive get. I mean, he was on loan yeah. at uh, was it Stockport last season when they won promotion from the league. Um, so knows that league reasonably well in that sense, but obviously is a player of quite a high quality to be playing in that league. Mm. You know, he, he made league appearances for us this season. Um, so no doubt a, a great get for them and, and good for him as a player to be able to get that consistent game time. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good move. Um, you know, he's going to a place where he's a hundred percent going to feel valued. Um, you know, he's bought into their vision. Um, unfortunate, didn't work out for him with us in any great extent, but it kind of did. Like when he signed, it was sort of like, I mean, scored I on, was, he scored against Preston on opening he, day. He it was did. Great. He did. But when he signed, I was kind of, I went, Andy who? So um, mm. not necessarily aligned with our ambitions. Not that, you know, an unknown player or a lesser known player can't succeed. You only have to look at, you know, Sam Klukas as an example yeah. or whatever, but um, just, I mean, he, he, he's a hard worker, but I think just doesn't necessarily have the, the quality that's maybe required at this level for, you know, con- to, to perform consistently. But um, yeah, great, a great acquisition for them. Um, I think, cause I also read they had, one of their midfielders was injured as well. So right. good cover, good timing on their, on that acquisition for them. So um, he should hopefully just, he'll slot straight in and get plenty of football in the second half of this season. And, you know, hopefully get them promoted. Maybe we can um, play them in a cup game or something. In a well, couple of years yeah, they've got, well, they've, got Co- they've got Coventry in the third round of the FA Cup um, uh, this season. So if they get through that, maybe we would be able to face up against them. Um, and I mean, look, on the topic of outgoings, I'm sure there'll be a few more to discuss in the coming weeks. I, I know like Randall Williams has been given permission to look for a move elsewhere. Um, so no doubt we'll have plenty more to discuss on that front. Um, but until next time, thanks for joining me, Dan. No worries. Um, and uh, thank you everyone for watching or listening along. We'll be back this time next week to discuss that Sunderland fixture and look ahead to the festive fixtures. But until then, come on City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber Black. It's the time, yeah, the city's on fire We're going higher and higher There's no turning back, cause you're out